Welcome to What a Doll Podcast, a podcast where life is plastic and fantastic. Each episode, we bring you doll news, opinions, retrospectives, and guests. So join us as we discuss and share our love for dolls with fans everywhere. Welcome, foolish mortals, to another episode of What a Doll. I'm your ghost host, Chris Canther. And I'm Terror. Oh, you sound like you have something in your throat. (laughs) (laughs) And we have a special guest with us today. We have, from the Jewel Writers Archive, the Boo! Beautiful Ronnie Del Mar. Welcome to the show for the yes, first welcome. time. Yay, we're so excited to Hopefully be I'll here. Hopefully I'll drag you on to here many other instances. Drag me on to That's here. That's right. Shove <laughs> you into the spotlight. I'm sorry, I just totally threw myself into the spotlight there. That's okay. <laughs> I will step back to let your host start off the conversation. Oh. So it's been a minute since we've had an episode. It has. I know. It's very sad. Life kind of rolled over us, unfortunately. But we're happy to be back, hopefully a little more regularly now on, going forward. And, you know, this episode, we go straight from Pride as our last episode (laughs) to Halloween is this episode. Just a few month interval. Just a few months. Nothing important (laughs) in there. But Halloween and Pride can kind of go together. You can exactly, still dress up. Exactly, they're linked by up. gays. Yeah. In the gay holiday calendar, it's Pride. Oh. It's just slides <laughs> to Halloween. Halloween is every day, though, or it can be. That's right. If you believe in it in your heart. <laughs> I was on a sweatshirt I recently saw. It said, every day is holiday. It is Halloween. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Do they have, like, Halloween stores like they have those year-round Christmas stores? Well, see, now that's a point of contention, because at my former job, I tried to get that, and they said it would never work. And I said, well, you obviously don't know your audience. But yes, to have a year-round Halloween store, I think, would be awesome. But no, they don't. I was just talking about um, on a fun plaid flannel shirt that I saw at Universal Studios. Mm -hmm. On the back of it, um, it says, every day is Halloween. And it has all these fun patches of, like, vintage-style, like, Halloween iconography. Yeah, one of the reasons I actually wanted to have Ronnie on the show is because... He's a huge fan of the Universal Monsters and Elvira. Mm-hmm. And I know, Terry, you love Vampira. Yes. So oh. you all have, like, much more interest in Halloween than I do. Oh. Also, it's a, a large piece of it, like, what the basis of this whole podcast is. It's, it's nostalgia. Right. Me. You know, I mean... And I think that that may have been also a difference for you because I remember when we first met. And for those of you who who are not familiar with Chris and my dynamic, we've been best friends for over 27 years now. Oh, my god! We met in 1995 when we were kids. Um, I was barely nine years old and you were 10. But because of the way that you had grown up, for me, Halloween was a huge holiday. Like, we dressed up. We went trick-or-treating. Right. We, we did all sorts of, like, haunted things and everything. But for your family, it really wasn't something that was celebrated. No, I mean, we, we grew up really conservative Christian. So, you know, we didn't even have Halloween. We had the fall party is what they Aww. called it. 
So it's Halloween with the serial numbers scrubbed off. <laughs> so we started talking about Halloween. It's like, oh, yes, fall this and fall that. I was like, fall? I'm like, what kind of a neutered holiday is this, you poor oh. child? I know. So, no, I mean, growing up, like, I mean, I remember as a kid, like, knowing of Elvira and, and going to see Nightmare Before Christmas and yeah. having the Haunted Mansion record and all that fun stuff. Meanwhile, I was terrified of the Haunted Mansion <laughs> the first time I rode on it. Well, I put my head in my mom's lap when you saw the ghost in the mirror that's in your carriage. Because that's how you were exactly as a child, that those were all <laughs> demonic beings. But no, I mean, okay, as a child, who didn't sit in between two adults in the doom buggy because you didn't want the ghost to get you? I mean, I was perfectly guilty of that, yes. But no, I mean, I love all sorts of things that are dark and fun. Now, the, th- the difference is, is that as I've also grown, I think that this is also a reflection of the type of media that we grew up with in that, you know, the Disney villains and fun things like Elvira are all really cool to me. And as a teenager, I think that we started to see a lot more kind of gore and gruesome things that were associated with the holiday. And about maybe, well, not quite a decade. Maybe it is a decade ago. My goodness. We started to see a lot more vintage decorations come out as Mm -hmm. being popular and kind of that whole renewal of like the 1960s and things like this and so Mm -hmm. as I've gotten older like although I work in the industry of scare and and gore and you know I come home and my hands are still covered in red blood paint um I I still enjoy more of the cute side of Halloween so like little pumpkins and like you know little witches and things like that like for me that's what's really cute. And so when you're talking about classic things like the Haunted Mansion, Elvira, you know, all the classic universal monsters, for me, that is quintessential Halloween. You know, I I really don't need, you know, some sort of like leaf bag that looks like a corpse hanging from my tree outside. (laughs) Right. That's not necessarily my Halloween, but that's me personally. Yeah, I don't need the 20 foot tall skeleton decoration that's so many. But so cool. I mean, it's great for them, but where the heck do you store that thing? I, yeah, you're right. Bury it in the backyard to dig it up every year. Oh, ooh, that's a good idea. Oh, that saves you money on storage. Oh, my God. That's for sure. <laughs> Although you might scare the lawn guy, whoever yeah. comes and gets yeah. your grass. Um, but no, like, when you look at my house, I, I definitely think that it kind of looks like a 1960s party. Like, there's crepe paper everywhere. Oh, and there's going to be a vintage punch bowl with witches. <laughs> you know, you say that, but I do. Because I usually put out a punch bowl and I say, oh, it's blood. And it's, you know, just Kool-Aid. Oh, my gosh. So, yes, that that's essentially my party. Don't you want to come? I'm ready. I'm yeah. Ready. So, to back up just a, a minute, um, I, we wanted to talk a little bit about D23. That's a jump. Yeah, well, it's not that far back. No, I meant like we're talking about <laughs> Halloween and we're going to D23. Yes. It's just because it was a recent event. Right, because okay. it's a recent okay. event that we went to. Well, do fans know what D23 is? Yeah, so D23 is the Disney biannual expo that they do every other year. It was supposed to be, I was going to go, the last one was supposed to be in 2020. 
And I was I was like, okay, I'm gonna go. And then of course everything canceled. What happened in 2020? Who knows? Just <laughs> COVID. Maybe I tripped and fell and then woke up <laughs> two years later. And <laughs> still, the world is still not normal. So um, they announced they were gonna be doing it again this year. We're like, okay, this is the time. Let's go. I mean, I've been going for years. Well, yeah, you yeah, when you used to work for Disney, you would you would go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was Faithfully. the first time first time for me to go. I've always looked I like those large Disney collector dolls. So I was like, okay, I'm mm-hmm. gonna go. Maybe I can like get some of those dolls this time, like poor, at the source. Poor, poor, yeah. foolish mortal. Poor unfortunate soul. Exactly. In you didn't, pain you and didn't know or understand. No, I did not. So I think first we need to talk about D23. You have to talk about the exclusives and the virtual queuing system. So at D23, there's like four or five different stores or shops that you would have to get into a virtual line for, which sounds great, right? Like I can just line up virtually and then enjoy the expo and then come back to the line when it's my turn. Right. And you foolish mortal. I know. So the idea was that at 6 a.m. and 1 p.m., these virtual lines would open up and you could get into the line that you wanted to get into. Now, 6 a.m., you might have had a chance. But by the time you were at 1 p.m., trying to get in that line on spotty convention center Wi-Fi, by the time the page even loads, it's out. You like so basically it's like you're choosing then like okay for one year i'm gonna go shop at one place per day is if in in is like in effect what you're deciding like okay where am i gonna go and the first day we were like okay um let's i was like okay look it's the disney like store one they'll have the dolls there right so we picked that not realizing there's a whole separate annex on like the third floor that has the exclusive dolls oh that's like and all these sort of exclusive merchandise okay so you get we get to the um we get to the store that afternoon our number finally comes up I'm walking through and I'm like, where's these dolls? Like, I don't know. I did see the new Frozen dolls there, the Artist series, mm-hmm. which are based on the art of, I believe her name is Brittany Lee. I think you're right. Those are those are gorgeous. Like, if you're if you're a little tired of like standard looking dolls and you want something that looks a little more stylized, those are really gorgeous dolls, and I'm hopeful that at some point. They'll be releasing non-Frozen dolls in that style. Um, They also had, like, the new Black Panther, like, Shuri limited edition doll there. But, like, if you wanted the the others that are the highly sought-after ones, you know, no dice. So, you know, suffice to say, never got... In the two days that we were there, we never got into the uh, limited edition Annex line. So 
oh, well, I guess in two years from now, we can try again. Well, (laughs) here's my thoughts on it, is working, and here's a little bit of history of my own self, is that I launched the original D23. Um, I was part of the crew that started it. Um, I, I worked at the store that um, Disneyland was was basically staffing. And at the time, I mean, it was 2009. It was the very first D23. Um, tickets were only sold to D23 members. As the general public, I don't believe that you could actually buy tickets. You had to be a member. Um, you had to be a paid member. Right. As far as I know, I, and I could be wrong, but as far as I remember, that you had to be a member of D23, and that's how you bought the tickets. And they did not sell out the first year, which actually was a good thing, because what they ended up doing was they sold tickets to cast members. And they're like, yeah, if you want to go, like, you know, you can go to this event and blah, blah, blah. And I was telling Chris, like, I went to the first D23 in 2009, and there were all these vendors, which were made up of local sellers selling vintage Disney stuff. So it was much more like an anime expo or, you know, something that's like Comic-Con. Like it was yeah. a large, large fan-based made-up expo. And there was the Disney store, which had a lot of fun merchandise, but then there was also these amazing exhibits. And, you know, the people from all over the, the company came to represent and they were there showing off their wares and, and all this fun stuff. And they had so many cool like uh, Walt Disney Archive um, exhibitions. And they had, you know, in years past, they've had things like the movie props, like the original, like Sleeping Beauty book was there. And they had costumes. I remember they had so many talks of like people who were involved in the movies. I mean, that first year, no joke. Like, I think it opened at like nine in the morning or something like that. And I was telling Chris that I went afterwards to a screening of Darby O'Gill where they had like a Q&A panel and we didn't get out of there until like one in the morning, I feel like. So it was a very long day that first year. Yeah. Like there was so much to do. And over the course of the years for Disneyland, at least, you know, we've seen things like going from the fast pass paper tickets to the virtual queue, you know, with like the My Disney Experience and mm-hmm. Genie Plus and all that stuff. And so, you know, even with like restaurant reservations, you know, if you have that family who's visiting for the very first time and they've saved all their money, you know, and it's their first visit and they're visiting from Podunk, wherever, like they don't really know about some of these things. And so they show up the first day at Disneyland and like, oh, you know, I can't wait to go on Peter Pan and then we're going to go to dinner and and then we're going to watch the parade. And, you know, they're so wide eyed and bushy tailed and, and just, you know, basically their versions to all of this and <laughs> right. don't really know. And what happens is that they get to Disneyland and they're very disappointed because they're like, oh, we had to make our dining reservation 60 days in advance. Oh, we we had to buy Disney Plus at the beginning of our day. And now, you know, there's no more tickets available Genie to. Plus. Exactly. But yeah. like we weren't able to. Oh, yeah. Disney Plus Genie Plus. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we weren't able to go on that ride because it sold out. Like and we had to pay extra to go on that Star Wars ride and things like that. And I think what happened was for for me personally, you know, when you talk about collectibles, I think that I'm very much stuck in like 1995. So not only jewel writers, but, you know, like the, the classic Disney dolls, like those are the things that I still collect. And like when it comes to new things, 
occasionally I will see something that I like I, I want to own, but I'm often buying just vintage stuff. So I'm not really concerned like, oh, I didn't get to buy this new doll or, oh, I didn't, you know, get to buy this one toy or whatever it is. So it's almost like Chris experienced what that family is experiencing without pre-planning. And, mm-hmm. and this is even something that I was talking to him about. I was like, well, in hindsight, what we really should have done was you should have really investigated more you should have been asking questions like to those people who are those fan sites who are posting constantly like oh you know make sure to get your tickets to this or or the dolls are for sale in the annex or you need to make sure to get your right you know your your reservation for this store like it really requires a lot of planning you can't just show up to these types of events and just expect to buy the doll you can't do it yeah it's like I think it was, like, right before. It was, like, work, 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 work. And then suddenly we were there. And I was like, ah, I'm not ready. (laughs) I mean, Terry, have you been to these types of events where it's really, like, you have to plan ahead? You can't just show up and just expect to buy something. Like, I don't know. Have you really had much experience? Or do you have personal feelings on things like this? I, I would totally be a noob. Going to D23, thinking I could get in line and buy a doll. Um, I mean, I've been to comic conventions and stuff, but nothing nothing like that. Even Mermagicon isn't like that. Mm-hmm. So, no, I, I'd ha- I, I have no clue. I, I mean, now I kind of do if I ever go. Right. And, and hopefully, you know, those of you listening also know now. But it's like, maybe it's just the larger city conventions because i mean you know there's definitely still toy conventions and places like that that are outside of like new york or los angeles that you can go to and not need this type of preparation but i feel like wherever there's a large concentration of fans that are essentially like the destination to go to like whether it's comic-con or anime expo or d23 it's like Mm -hmm. it just requires a lot of planning and at the end of the day you know we only saw like one panel we didn't even get to go to that many panels because we were so busy standing in line to get into the store that we already had a reservation to right you know and 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 shopping around and and going to a few booths that yeah we only saw like two two different panels panels, yeah so yeah the lottery system also was how you would get into panels oh so it was like you made these selections like okay these are the ones i'm interested in and you know I guess light a stick of incense and pray. <laughs> and you had to make those selections before you got to the event. Like right. this time around, it was only like what a week before. Yeah. But I I know that their intent is probably as this goes on, maybe it's going to become like dining reservations. You have to make your you have to make your G twenty three selections six six months in advance. I know. <laughs> you know. I just you know I just did that where you wake up at five a.m. to make your dining reservations. dining reservations. But. That's the sad thing. It's like you have to, you know, and and maybe this is just speaking from the Disney experience because at Universal Studios, but then again, they don't have, you know, any type of dining really experience that you have to do. But it's like you could still go to Universal and, and still arrive. And at least for like Halloween Horror Nights, if you pay to get the upgraded, um, they don't call it gate A, the express lane or whatever it is. Like, you know, if you pay for that, great. Like, you're going to probably be able to see everything that you want to see. But they're not to that point yet where you have to plan your entire vacation six months in advance. Right. Thankfully. That's crazy. Like, it, it just it reminds me of San Diego Comic Con. I've never been there either. But, I mean, I've heard horror stories. And it's changed a lot over the yeah, years. It's like, 
and it's like, and I'm not like somebody who's never gone to a convention before. Like I've I've been like a long time anime expo attendee, which is like the largest anime convention in the United States. And it's like, and I've definitely watched it transform from something that was, you know, fun and pretty easy to navigate to like this unwieldy, like long lines and just kind of horror show. Of horror show because there is also a horror show convention i'm so sure midsummer scream in long beach california they do it d- during the summertime but it's mm. when people like cassandra peterson mm-hmm. and people like that come out and they do meet and greets but also it's a chance for the um like for instance for universal studios or for knott's berry farm yeah. to kind of showcase like hey this is the stuff that we have upcoming mm. attractions you know for for halloween season but you know not just talking about the attendance, but also just the quality, because this was another conversation that Chris and I were having is that, you know, conventions, as I was explaining, like, you know, with the first D23 versus what it is today, it's like even places like Anime Expo, where you started out, you know, you would be able to see really fun, unique actors and actresses come from, you know, whether it's Japan or yeah. wherever, and it was a chance to meet them and actually have a conversation with yeah, them. Like my brother had, like, one of his favorite artists literally draw in his sketchbook for him. Like, that would never happen now. Those guests are shuttled off, mm-hmm. like, before they can ever talk to a fan. Uh, so it's it's almost like it's gotten busier and the quality has gone down, which you don't think it should be the other way. It should be like, right. oh, it's getting busier because the quality is getting better. It's like, no, the quality is getting worse yeah. and not worse in the sense no. of like poorly run. It's just worse in that like it's not as unique. There's not as many fun experiences, yeah. essentially. In in many ways, it makes me really grateful to the smaller conventions, things like PowerCon, mm-hmm. where you can, you can still like, meet people and talk to guests and there's and, still a lot of vendors at PowerCon mm-hmm. and and things like that or even your local toy show like i'm sure you know everyone kind of has that local toy fair where people get together um in buena park this is something that chris still has yet to go do but there's a barbie convention that happens um it happens maybe like four times a year oh, sherry yeah doll show? I sherry's know. doll i want to go to that yeah. so much oh now i just gave away my secret story <laughs> for anyone who's in the orange county area but yes they meet in buena park and um you know they have a doll convention where you can go and even garrett um who's associated with the monster high he was there the last time selling off some of his dolls and i bought a doll from him like you know and and so it's a chance for me to be able to go and find those vintage dolls that i collect you know so again it's like i'm very grateful that things like that have not become you know over over uh scheduled essentially it's like you think you're going to be getting the better experience going to the bigger thing because it has the more money, it has more money behind it. It technically has more guests. Mm-hmm. But like, well, but it is, but is it the experience that you're hoping for? Right. And some of D23 was really cool. Like they had a really great display from the archives hmm. for like different decades that you could see. Oh, like, cool. Stuff from like Mary Poppins or cool. Tron or Dick Tracy, and like that was really cool. Or like stuff from the 30s from Snow White. Mm-hmm. Like some of that was really cool, and like, or like tons of like Star Wars costumes or Marvel costumes or whatever. And it was just like, you know, I saw a man like doing the Yoda puppet. I'm like, that's so cool to see. <laughs> but like, doll 
experience-wise, it was kind of a bust. Like, like dolls-wise, the exclusives were like a Hercules and Meg set, a 16-inch Giselle, a 16-inch Jasmine. Snow White. A 16-inch Wedding Snow White with a little dopey, which was super cute. And I believe there was a Merida collector doll as well. And, you know, Hercules was probably the one I was most interested in. You really wanted it. I know. Well, it's just, it's a character they don't really put out dolls for. And they haven't made a doll of since the original movie in, like, 1997. This is also a chance for me to plug in another problem, and especially in, I think, in all the toy markets. Resellers. Yes. Hashtag hate. Oh, you should have. Right. I mean, Ronnie could tell you that I was, every time I he saw was people walking with just fistfuls of those boxes for those oh, dolls yeah. in the hallway, I was fuming. Because you know that that one guy does not need 10 of the same, you know, whatever. Yeah. Or right. whatever they go it might in be. teams and they all go to get the stuff to resell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, I'm sure this guy is going to go home and enjoy these dolls. Right. And they're <laughs> listed on eBay yeah. you know, five minutes later yeah. at yeah. two times the price and, and up from there. It's sad. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. I mean, that's I mean, resellers have long made the toy market like this unbearable thing sometimes. Like, I remember when the. um. He-Man collector line was coming out from, like, 2009 to about, like, 2019 or 2018. You know, these figures would sometimes sell out in, like, three minutes. Right. And then you'd, of course, see them all on eBay, mm-hmm. like, yep. you know, an hour later. You know, it's not... It is and it's not. I, I was just thinking about this. You know, the internet, in the sense that we know it, obviously did not exist. But reselling kind of existed even back in the day because think about it you know everyone for for instance jewel writers or we could talk about you know 90s barbies or 80s barbies or whatever people who kept them in the boxes had the intent of wanting to sell them again because they thought okay if i keep them in the box they will retain their value you know rather than opening them so even though someone wasn't there in 1995 grabbing fistfuls of Princess Guinevere to resell on eBay, they did essentially hoard them mm-hmm. to eventually one day sell them. And now, you know, the thing is, is that pre-Jewel Riders archive, yeah. you could buy the whole lot right. for a few dollars. And now people just think that they're, you know, worth hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And also, <laughs> you know, eBay has created the seller's market. Yeah. For these people. Whereas before you could have your holiday Barbies from 1985 to 89 and then you would sell them at Sherry's Doll Show. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why I still like places like Sherry's Doll Show is because it's very reminiscent of the old toy shows that you would have to go to in order to collect these toys. You know, so in a way, those were resellers as well. Right. No, I mean, it. there's definitely there's definitely always been a market for reselling things mm-hmm. just not to the extent right that ebay and other i mean it's not just ebay anymore it's it's also offer up it's amazon mm-hmm. it's right. you know any the mercari like any right. selling app essentially you could you know you can yeah. find you have people selling their stuff but it really has created kind of these monsters of people who 
just, you know, buy up this stuff and, and that's their job. And then they turn around and they make a profit off of these people who just really wanted the toy to begin with. You know, and and it is very sad, and I get it that these people are doing it to make money, but it's just like it's it's made it to be something that, for instance, this is the story. Uh, it's not really toy related, but I was just I was talking to a Disneyland cast member about it um, over the summer. Disneyland brought back the electrical parade for what seems like the millionth time mm-hmm. as a special re, you know. It's been back more times than shares farewell. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yes. So anyway, the point is, is that it was celebrating its 50th anniversary. And so they made all this 50th merchandise. And needless to say, it sold out almost immediately because, you know, everyone wants to buy it to resell it. And one of right. the items was this Elliot popcorn bucket. And it lit up and, you know, it was very cute and it kind of looked like the parade float. And when my boyfriend and I went to Disneyland, the first time when the parade came back, we had heard about it. And he was like, oh, I would really like one of those. And kind of foolishly, like, I was like, oh, yeah, that would be fun to have. I should have known better. It's a popcorn bucket. It's a 50th anniversary thing. They're not going to have it. Everyone's bought it. So, of course, we go there, and they're like, oh, yeah, we just sold out. And we we had a two-day ticket that particular day. Well, we had passes, but we were going the second day. Um, and so we went the second day, and like, oh, no, we sold out yesterday. We never got them back in. And every time after that, when I went to back to Disneyland, I would always say, like, oh, did you guys get the popcorn buckets today? Like, kind of just like, oh, like, you know, we're still interested in it. Finally... After the whole summer-long celebration, on the last day that it was still playing, I was in New Orleans Square and by the Haunted Mansion. I saw it sitting on the New Orleans popcorn stand, and I went over to it, and I looked at it. And I'm like, oh, did you want to buy one? And that whole summer's worth of being turned away constantly chasing this thing down mm-hmm. like you know kind of all those feelings just came back and i looked at it and all of a sudden that toy basically embodied this summer long frustration of not being able to find it and so what i said was you know i wanted it all summer long and now that it's available it does nothing but bring back bad memories And I was like, I don't want it anymore. And I walked away. And so I think that in a way, those types of experiences, whether maybe that's the same way that maybe some other people feel about toys and about certain things, maybe they don't. And maybe like, no, like I've been waiting this long for it. Like, yes, I'm going to finally buy it. It's like, I wonder how many people actually walk away from situations like that and are like, no, now I really don't want this thing because... I'm tired of lining up for this doll just to find it on eBay for three times the price that same hour. Like it, it now it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And right. so I really think that this is a message to those types of companies that are creating these toys. It's great to have limited edition dolls because it makes the owners really feel like, oh, I have something special. But it really is creating bad memories for the collectors. It's creating a negative experience now maybe your experience whoever's listening to this is different but in my opinion that's my thoughts on the guest experience and on just generally 
the overall experience. I think it would be much better to release a limited release doll and something like that rather than a limited edition, which just creates chaos. Right. It's like every time there's a limited edition product like this, you just know that it is it's going to cause this chaos. It's going to practically crash a website <laughs> as thousands of people log on to try and get it. And wow. like, I mean, it was one of my like resellers and scalpers, like one of my big issues with the original run of monster high. Yes. Because for just months you would go in and see store shelves, just barren except for like the things that nobody wanted. Mm-hmm. And every time there'd be a new release, it was like, oh, well, if you found them, lucky you, because, you know, you'd never see them again. Yeah, just like that damn C.A. Cupid doll. That was like a (laughs) Walmart exclusive. Yes, I remember hunting for that a lot. I never found her in person. A friend had to buy her and mail her. Oh, my gosh. Speaking of Monster High, was that going to be one of the dolls that we were going to talk about? Yeah, so we wanted to talk a little bit about Halloween dolls on this episode, too. Mm -hmm. And I think we can start with, you know, Monster High just released images of their new Skullector. Skullector. Yes, exactly. Monster High loves them a pun. Ah, Um, They sure do. Of the Bride of Frankenstein and Frankenstein dolls. Which is a conversation in itself for me. I'm just going to take this time to plug anyone who works. Well, obviously, this is Monster High, so it is Mattel. But anyone who works on the Barbie collector line, why have you not given me a Frankenstein, Dracula, or Wolfman doll? That's what I want to know. Because in the history of Universal Monsters, there have been a few toys that are made and maybe it's the general demographic of it's more like action figure collectors. But aside from a monsters doll, which is not quite universal monsters, there has never been a, you know, bride of Frankenstein Barbie or, you know, Frankenstein's monster Ken or anything like that. I want a Ken Dracula. I do. And that would be, be so cool. sad. We we went looking before recording. Like, have they ever released a Universal Monsters line of dolls? And you know who has. And you know who has. It's it's the Jewel Riders home. It's Kenner. Yes. yes. Yeah. Back in the late nineties, they released a line. They had and they had I think all of them. They did. As as oftentimes, you know, these whole you know, toy lines, whether it's the reaction style figures or, you know, little action figures, they do release the whole set because like the Disney princesses, the monsters have all kind of been clumped together to make this universe. But it's just weird that there's never been like a Barbie collector release of these, like of all of Mm -hmm. the icons. I mean, I remember that there's all, there have been universal Barbies. Like I remember that there's been like the birds and I want to say that there's been other, Universal type of properties made well, they into did Barbie. Scooby Doo Barbies. They did do. Scooby-Doo oh yeah. Like, I mean, Warner Brothers. It's not Universal, but oh. um, yeah. So it's like, I I just don't know. Like I I do wonder why that this hasn't you know happened. I mean, 
interestingly, this uh, Bride of Frankenstein and Frankenstein are are official licensed from Universal mm-hmm. Productions, though, which I thought was really cool. Not something I think I'd seen Monster High do before. Because Monster High was a kind of an original well, yeah, idea. Yeah, Monster High was was you know Mattel's original idea. Although I believe they did license it again with that collector Draculara that they did in the style of the Bella Lugosi Dracula. They even used the background oh, right. for her. Yeah, because she's in that same costume. Yeah. She's in the, you know, it's all the same colors and. So, right. yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe Monster High will have a few more. They even used the classic Universal Monsters logo as well when they were, when they were advertising it mm. too. So it looks like maybe that was maybe the test. You know, this is actually probably what this is, is that it's, it's a line. Like they started with Dracula and then they did Frankenstein. So potentially the mummy or Wolfman is next. Yeah, I mean, and they have all the characters to do it, mm-hmm. should they desire. I mean, they're all based on the classic monster characters. You know, you have the uh, creature from the Black Lagoon is Laguna, of course, mm-hmm. and Dracula, Dracula, Claudine for the Wolfman. And you know, it's funny. We we were just talking about how you guys went from pride to halloween and i'm just looking at the monster high instagram right now and they have um a couple of pride posts where they have on the heels of frankie over here they have the rainbow colors but also including the um transsexual pansexual bisexual um even bear over here and it just it's funny because also in the new release didn't they just change the um the way that one of the yeah Frank, Frankie, Frankie is now a, a non-binary character yeah which I thought is very interesting and it's I mean it's the it's the right character to do it with right because she's right she's you know newly born mm-hmm. basically or I guess they are newly born now all oh, right um, yes you know, Frankie is pro- still in, Frankie pronouns. in my brain is still a, a girl from the original release but. In this one, yeah, it's a she's no, a they. She's or a they. He, they, they're they. They are they. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's very fun. I I like generally how they've updated the line for new fans. You know, mm-hmm. I I think as anyone who was a fan of an original version of a property, I try to I try to have learned from the masters of the universe people and not be mad when they update a property. Or are we talking about She-Ra? I mean, She-Ra or He-Man or, you know, any of it. Well, I know both of those were recently updated. I just didn't but know, you know the same. I don't, I don't want to be like the people who are like, they ruined the thing yes. that I love. You know, your childhood is ruined. Your childhood is right there. Yeah. Like These just debuted, no? Yeah, these are, okay. these are brand new. So I know. They came out the 1st of October? Uh, very recently, yeah. yeah. Okay. They've just been hitting store shelves and are they sold out online? Already? Surprisingly, no. Okay. Yeah, no. You know, giving me a warm feeling mm. in my dead heart. I remember <laughs> mentioning that you recently picked some up. Yeah, I just I picked up the new Clio and the new Deuce. They are my they were my favorites from the original line. I love. Egyptian and Greek mythology, so they're they've always been my favorites. 
Um, you know, the other ones are cute and fun, but I mean, as somebody who has so many of the original Monster High dolls still, I'm like, I just, I'm good. I'm good. Like they're they're fun and they're very cute and I'm and I'm very happy for people who love them. Mm-hmm. Carrie, what's your thoughts? Uh like I fell hard for the first Monster High. And I kept up with it for like the first maybe two years. And then year three, they were just releasing too much, too quick, too many characters. Um I'm happy it's back and I'm happy like for new collectors to discover it and for maybe like old collectors to get into the third generation of it. I looked at them at target on Sunday. They're nice. And like, I totally see like the nostalgia in it from back when, but I'm not going to get them. Um, I think I'm too far gone. Not that I'm too good for monster high. I just don't want to fall down that rabbit hole again. Yeah. That's what I kind of told myself too. I was like, that was a very long collecting phase for me. Yes. Original Monster High. I spent a lot of money. Right. I sold a fraction of them that I'm, you know, cool to part with now, but I still have a bunch I need to to list on eBay. I sold most of mine. Um, I don't regret doing it. When I was at Target, though, and actually Adam Weatherly, I don't know if he listens to this show, but people probably know of him in the doll collecting world. We chatted real quick, and like he said, looking at them, you kind of get that wave of nostalgia all over again, and like you're briefly happy. Just briefly, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yep, like just for a moment. <laughs> it's like looking at a Hershey bar when you thought it was elegant chocolate from Europe. Ouch. <laughs> Poor Hershey's over here. I actually love Hershey's as a nostalgic favorite. I don't. Uh, <laughs> if you're making a s'more, it's got to be Hershey's. Well, I'll tell but. you why. Because I only like dark chocolate. And Hershey's oh. does make a dark chocolate, which is okay. But usually it's milk chocolate. <laughs> I do like their special edition dark chocolate. Usually it's wax chocolate. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, it's funny that you were talking about, you know, without being sassy about it but you know it's like that oh it's kind of like a a temporary kind of like oh a hit of nostalgia i think that that's the thing though about a lot of these properties and as you were talking about with shira or he-man or whenever a property is kind of reintroduced even the disney princesses it's that you know you have such a a tight emotion to the original design of the characters, to the original story, to the original media, whatever it might be, that when something new comes out, a lot of times, you know, whether we tell ourselves we're not going to act that way or, or whatever, but you just can't help but feel like, oh, it's not really my version of it. That's just natural. But the thing is, is that they're also doing it to find a new market. And as we've learned, if you have a company that continues to support and to release a particular brand, a particular, you know, um, IP, then that's good and it helps the brand stay alive. But it's when, like Jewel Writers, the IP dies or the company no longer releases it, then all you have are old fans and you'll never have new fans because they didn't grow up with it, you know, being in the stores, they didn't do this unless you have some child that is, 
you know, actively looking for 1990s toys, you know, on the right. internet, they're never <laughs> going to reconnect with yeah. it as a new property. And these companies have vested interest, of course, in trying to make their hits evergreen. Mm-hmm. Like Rainbow Bright, like Rainbow Care Bright. Bears, yeah. Barbie, like all those things. Yes. Yeah, I think Monster High is just the latest thing that's trying to get its evergreen streak on. Well, I think also, you know, again, it's Mattel. That's Barbie's yes. home. And as much as I that's hate to say it. That's the Barbara. Exactly. <laughs> um, what's her full name? Barbara Millicent oh. Roberts. Thank you. Yes. Miss um, Barbara over here. But what I was going to say is that, you know, as sad as it is to say that it just seems like a lot of kids are not connecting with Barbie. And so I think that Mattel also saw, hey, we have a pretty profitable IP on our hands. Mm, Let's not right. let this die. Like mm-hmm. we need to reinvigorate it. As you said, it's not even been 10 years yet has it well no and this is the third generation of these toys wait right. when did it come out in 2010 oh so it has been 10 years yeah it's okay been it's like been 12, 12 years. years yeah okay so it's it's already been 10 years so. i can't remember when generation two came out oh um, it was like it was pre-pandemic oh yeah that's a perfect time for it to yeah. come out right for it to just die, die. <laughs> but it was mm-hmm. definitely like Generation 2 felt cheap in a way oh, that this yeah. doesn't. It felt like a cheaper version. Maybe that's why they redid yeah, it so quickly so, after. And I think that's probably why there's like, you know, sometimes gen- the generations of a toy line will be like, you'll look back and you're like, oh yeah, that was just a cost cutting and lots of yeah. molded clothes and mm-hmm. all of that. Molded clothes. What kind of a toy line would have that? I know. Certainly not tool riders. <laughs> Point of contention. I for know. Me. <sighs> uh, but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward. I'll catch the the new live action movie. I've heard um from one of my friends that it's very Disney descendants ish. Oh, okay. And I'm like and I, th- and I think both good and bad ways. <laughs> and, you know, speaking of Disney and Halloween and everything like that, just as a quick side note, uh, Chris and I started watching Hocus Pocus. I don't know who's listening, you know, if you guys have already watched it. But again, talking about gay pride over here. I know. <laughs> this is, I think, like, this movie has been kept alive by the gays. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Much. I mean, Bette Midler over here and Sarah Jessica Parker. I know. Right. I mean, like, we looked up, I'm like, Bette Midler is 76, mm-hmm. the same age as Cher. Right. <laughs> Can you believe it? I know. It's fun. I mean, I'm looking forward to finishing it a little later tonight. We just started. Yeah. We haven't finished it yet. And it's like, but it's like, it's really fun to watch them go back and re-inhabit those characters like 30 years later and still like for the most part, be on it. I thought that the children actors did quite a good job at the beginning, kind of, you know, emulating the character and, and, and mimicking oh, yeah. the, actress the actresses. plays the Sanderson sisters as children. Yeah. They did a good job. I wonder if the older ones were there to coach them. Oh. Maybe. That's actually a good idea. But if, if you like Hocus Pocus, 
you may or may not like the sequel. Yeah. It's kind of like Generation Three of of Monster High. You may or may not like it. <laughs> right, it's kind right. Of the same thing. Yeah, um, I've seen mixed reviews too. Most people, at least on my Facebook feed, most people have liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have most positive reviews as well. I mean, I do have those friends that are kind of like, oh, it's not the same. It's not the... But I'm like, I almost want to ask them, like, well, how do you feel about things that are redone? Like, do you not like them to begin with? Because if you don't, then you probably won't like this. Right. Now, but if you do like Hocus Pocus, like, also remember, this year had three limited edition dolls from the Disney store. Oh, the Hocus Pocus Sanderson sisters. Now, are they Jack Pacific? Mm-hmm. Do you know who made them by chance? Um, I don't. Or are they advertised as Hasbro? I mean, they're... No, they were a Shop Disney oh. dolls. So I don't know who makes I'm assuming those. it's Jack Pacific then, because that's who usually does the Disney dolls. I but think. I think they're very fun, though, because mm. they have a very animated look to them. Me too. It kind of makes you want to see Disney make, like, shorts or something. Yeah. Yep. Like, animated shorts would be so fun. Well, I think depending on how successful this is or isn't. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, you got Midwest mothers crying out and saying that it's Satan's work having their children watch Hocus Pocus. Oh, I know. (laughs) I mean, I saw that, and it's just, you know, it's the same vein of satanic panic. Satanic panic that's gone through with, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and Harry Potter and Pokemon. Oh, Harry Potter, yes. Like, all of it. It's the same line over and over. It's destroying the moral fabric of our society. And well, it's okay. They say the same thing about me being gay. And look at how wrong they were. <laughs> I'm just adding to them. I'm adding their property value. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Are so. you sure? Thank you. <laughs> So, yeah, those dolls were released at the beginning of October. Oh, wait, no, those were released last year. Yeah, they they were, yep. <laughs> oh, I thought they released this year. No, I'm just sitting here going along with that. I'm like, me, I don't think I'm wrong, but I'm going to keep No, it no, yeah, please correct me, because I'm not, like... <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah so October 2021. Oh, I thought... So Before was that in October? preparation... Was that because it was an anniversary? Well, it came out in 93, right? I thought... Disney does things a year and two years in advance. I know. So, I mean, maybe it was drumming up, you know, toward the release of Hocus Pocus 2. I can't believe that they actually had their, excuse my language, their shit together that early to actually do that. <laughs> well, I'm sure they were filming at this point last year, so. I still don't believe it. <laughs> Disney never has their stuff together that quickly. No. I think... Everything is at the last minute. They did release little um, oh, the plush, plush of them. I've seen year. the plush at the Disneyland stores. They also have a lot of like spirit jerseys. They also have some T-shirts that have Hocus Pocus. But I was just assuming that was because of the sequel. But yes, Shop Disney and Disneyland have, and I'm assuming Disney World, have all had a lot of Hocus Pocus merchandise. They also have like a ceramic, like they have like tumblers. They have like a ceramic, I think a cauldron and things mm, like that. That's fun. Yeah. I've taken <laughs> pictures of all of them. Bought none. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things. It's like, I was never, I mean, I was not really even aware of Hocus Pocus until I was an adult. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I guess everyone really loves this movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's just because, again, our upbringing, where yeah. we were not really 
in on this. Like, I think I knew of it, but it was just kind of one of those things of it wasn't really that popular when it first came out. It's just like Nightmare Before Christmas and Alice in Wonderland. And I think that as, you know, whether it was our generation or whoever started to get older, like those films started to become more and more popular. I first really watched it regularly when my ex, he loved it. Like, and um, I didn't really start watching it. Yeah. Until like the, the early 2000s when I was an adult. I'm almost ashamed to admit this. What? That I Last first year. watched Hocus Pocus in, I believe, 2019 on an <gasps> international flight. <laughs> what? So you've only seen it once. I've only seen it once. Oh, he's only seen it once. Oh, man. Everyone judge him. Point your uh, finger. Right. Shockingly oh, at a him. Muck, a muck, <laughs> whatever. Uh, That's so oh, funny. Man. I didn't know that. I'm going to have my gay card revoked oh, in a minute okay. here. Aw. Uh, I won't tell anybody. <laughs> well, that's fun for Hocus Pocus. So. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, Disney's always looking for something they can market into the theme parks. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Like a live show now at yes. Halloween with them. Oh. Is it Disney World that has it? I don't know. I don't know. One of those. Yeah. And then, so after that, we have the new Hallmark Barbie ornaments that. Oh, have, we're going to Christmas now. Uh, well, kind of. Well, it slides into Chris into thanks. Um, I'm sorry, Halloween, not Thanksgiving. <laughs> There's no Thanksgiving. Barbie, there is folks. no Thanksgiving. <laughs> what? It's stuffed she Barbie. Just, she just, just sits comes. at a table. <laughs> she sits in a chair with her with her belt undone. Instead of that midge with the slap on pregnancy oh, no! stomach, it's Barbie with like post Thanksgiving stomach. Oh, you oh. open up her stomach and find a turkey inside. <laughs> I oh, that'd be cool. Oh my goodness gracious. Well, you know, there actually is a holiday if we want to go in chronological order. There's something before Christmas that we could also hit on. Shall we talk about Dia de los Muertos? Yeah, so Barbie has a history now for a few years of making Dia de los Muertos dolls. And they are, they had a new set this year. Mm -hmm. They have yeah, a Barbie and a Ken. There's a Barbie and a Ken. Looks like they're about $80 a piece. Oh, no way. Yeah. Each? And, and then there's one with the designer, the Mexican des- designer, Benito Santos. But these are all, aren't they sold out? Oh, uh, let me go look. The Santos one is. But the other two appear to still be available. Oh, okay. It's very handsome. Yeah, they're very fun. I like the, I like the face painting on them. There's a lot of nice stitched detail in the jackets mm-hmm. they have, which is, you know, something that I feel becomes a little a uh, little more scarce these days with even collector Barbies to get that nice stitched detailing in there. That's why the price points the way it it's is. It's $80, I yes, know. because there's a lot of the embroidery. Because I look at her skirt and I'm like, that looks printed. That looks like it's all printed. Not on the special edition one, though. The $100 one, I think that that's all embroidered. Wait, uh, are we talking about an ornament or a Barbie? No, like an we're looking at, at the actual Barbie. That's the lead-in oh, okay. lead for you for your ornaments, is that they also okay. have a Dia de los Muertos ornament as well, don't they? Yeah, so they have this, the Barbie and Ken set. They have as Dia de los Muertos ornaments on Hallmark. 
They're seventy dollars. And they're seventy dollars oh. for the two of them. Damn. So for ten more dollars, you can buy an actual Barbie or Ken. Yes, yes. but only one. <laughs> oh, this right. one you get both. This of one them. you get both, and they're four <laughs> inches tall. They're half oh, right. size. <laughs> oh. Wow. Okay, now we can go into Christmas since we're talking about ornaments. <laughs> yeah. So you were mentioning Terry that one of our favorite '90s Barbies yes. has an ornament this year. Yep, totally hair Barbie. Totally hip, totally cool, ooh, ooh, totally ooh. hair Barbie. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Is that the jingle? I think so. <laughs> and she, I, we just laughed when we saw it. I'm totally going to get one, though. Yeah. Because she looks like one of those McDonald's Barbie toys with the plastic hair. Yeah. That, like, holds the figure up since it's so long. It would be funny if that were, like... Went to her- I wish it went to the bottom of her feet so it could hold her up. <laughs> oh, oh, that'd be cool. Then you would just put her on your shelf. Exactly. <laughs> then I could just hoard her. You wouldn't even put her on the on the tree. You know, it's funny because I look at these things and similar to the McDonald's Happy Meal toys, it's like a part of me is like, I want these to have hair. But then I think that maybe having hair would make it look cheaper. Like, oh. I feel like hair would get real ratty. In your Ooh, holiday right. storage box. Uh, but I'm just saying, like, especially the yeah. fact that it's, you know, totally hair Barbie. Like, you'd think that she would have some sort of hair feature, but it's okay. Or come with a comb, maybe. There, or, like, yeah. a hair gel. Or oh, my God. If she came with a little hair gel ornament, <laughs> that would be amazing. They uh, also look, have some other holiday Barbies yeah, as well. Yeah, so there's, like, a ballerina Barbie that they have available as an ornament as well as the mermaid Barbie with light. Mm-hmm. So apparently she must light up. She's very oh, pride, rainbow colors. I like yes. her a lot. Then they there's have, the classic they have the, holiday. Yeah, there's and they have the holiday yep. Barbie ornaments, which they have uh, white and African-American versions. We just say black nowadays. Okay. That's the PC word. <laughs> and they have dresses that look like um poinsettia leaves which are mm-hmm. very cute it's look it looks very tiana like it does now oh, that you say that. yes yes yep red tiana dress and then they have a cute uh bubble cut barbie like the 60s bubble cut i just like the word That's <laughs> trademark is that mattel's word it really is bubble cut trademark barbie <gasps> trademark oh no way <laughs> That's hilarious. I love her. She looks like she works at the office in Mad Men. (laughs) Fun fact, this was the haircut that my mother's childhood barber had. Oh, really? Uh Uh-huh. I need to get it for her just to have. I know. Just to hoard. You know, I wanted to put a quick plug for, since we were talking about resellers earlier, and holiday Barbies. I don't know if someone listening to this is a big collector of holiday Barbies, But I find it interesting that along with all of the other dolls that, you know, people try to say, oh, these are worth hundreds of dollars and these are worth this and worth that and everything else, is Holiday Barbie doesn't seem to have aged in price. Like, it just seems like you can't even give away a Holiday Barbie. Like, it just seems like no, these are so, like, even if they're listed for a lot of money, it doesn't really seem like they really have a high market value. Like, I feel like, honestly, Christmas Barbies, and, and there's a reason for this, and I'll get to that, but it's like Christmas Barbies 
are almost valued at like just a couple of dollars, maybe $10 at the most, you know? I don't know if you guys have any experience with this. I've never gotten into holiday Barbie collecting, and I think it's because it just seems Uh -uh. like a never-ending train that you're getting on. Well, it is. Because every year you get a new one. Yeah, exactly. Carrie, any any thoughts on this? Um, I, I was just thinking they haven't made well like uh, holiday Barbies. Yeah, never ending. I would feel like you have to get or I have to get like you know whatever year I started and continue on. But they haven't made a Halloween Barbie in a minute. Mm. Now that is one that I did collect. I did start collecting the Halloween Barbies because when they first came out, I was like, oh wow, this is something unique. This is something so different. Like, yeah. you know, I loved it. And and one of the ones that I have is like a gypsy tarot reading one. Ooh. Um, and then after that, the next year there was like some sort of witch that came out. And then I was from kinda, Target. Uh, yeah, at Target. Yeah, yep. They I started out as being Target yeah. exclusives, and I was like, after a while, I was kind of like, eh. These aren't as fun as I thought that they were. So maybe it was just a small selection of them that were really cool. But yeah, I think that similar to a Universal Monsters Barbie, we need more better, maybe like collector uh, Halloween Barbies. I think that that's that's the thing that needs to happen. Even collector wise, they haven't done a Halloween. uh, They didn't do a Halloween Barbie this year. I don't know if they did one last year. Maybe Dia de los Muertos is standing oh, for Halloween. Damn it, you're right. Yeah, but okay. it's like, that's a totally different thing. That's right. like no, saying, oh, holiday. here's the Hanukkah right. Barbie for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> that would be no. cool. So what I was going to say was, as far as like, you know, the the Christmas holiday Barbies, it's that when it comes to things like those, I feel like, and and you can also lump in like, pink label Barbies and things like that. I think that most people bought these with the intent of, I will one day reap the benefits of hoarding this. I will resell it. Just like all the people who bought the Death of Superman comics. Mm -hmm. So it's that at the end of the day, everyone bought one. Everyone kept it in its box. We sure did. No one opened it. and and, And so now they're a dime a dozen. And that's really the reason why the play line of any doll is actually worth more because those are the ones that the kids usually did open. Those are the ones that the collectors did buy to, Mm. you know, sit on their shelf. And that's why I think it's kind of funny is that your, you know, just run of the mill, you know, open edition, you know, play line doll is actually worth more than your collector Barbie, you know. Yeah. Sure. It's like people who want like a vintage He-Man figure are going to be hard pressed to find one mm-hmm. that's in the box. They were kids all opened. opened those and yeah. threw them in the sandbox. Yeah. But that's also why people love them is because they have that yeah. connection with them. Girls c- took their Barbies out, cut their hair, and <laughs> I never cut my hair. Dressed, but yes, dress them in homemade clothes, and yeah. you know, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, they're toys. They're toys for children to play with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like I was I, I was at a bookstore recently and there was um, it was a vintage book and some child had gone in and cut out the characters in these books. So there was like holes where characters should have been. And I kind of <laughs> looked at it and I'm like, 
how dare you like that book? How dare you cut that thing out? Like, <laughs> right. don't you know that this was meant to be hoarded and bought like 30 years from now? Oh, I would be mad because I would never do that to a book. But yeah, so it was just funny because it was like, okay, like, you know, this child really enjoyed it. It was like a 1960s book. Maybe this is something that they did in the 60s. They cut out characters and pasted them into stuff. Exactly. Yeah, they made a paper doll yeah. and they pasted them to like cardboard or something. I don't yeah. know. Yep, you're right. Is that our Halloween lineup? I think so. <laughs> that was so fun. We talked about, we talked a little bit about vintage things. We talked about yeah. new things. We talked about movies. I know. We talked about not even Halloween, Dia de los Muertos. And we talked about Christmas, <laughs> like right. Christmas well, with ornaments. Well, like I said, you have to be prepared. So everyone who's listening to this is now going to be next already on to Christmas. So you got to right. go out there now and buy yourself before I mean, it sells Hallmark's out. I Hallmark's been selling some of those ornaments since July. Well, that's oh, Christmas right. in July. Yes. We've, cel- we've celebrated that at Jewel Rider's Archive a little while when we used to um, put out things about the toys and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it's it's pre-planning. Yeah. <laughs> Any final thoughts on Halloween, Terry? Oh, um, let me think. I think we covered everything. There's a... Let's, let me ask you this. Okay. Because since we're going to talk about Halloween... First question is, do you have a most memorable costume memory that you dressed up as? And second is, what is your favorite Halloween treat, whether it's a candy or a homemade treat? So that's going to be my questions. Do you want me to come back to you or are you ready? Uh, I kind of think I'm ready, but come back to me. Okay. Okay. Uh, Chris, do you, are you thinking? Oh, I, I didn't dress up that many years to go trick-or-treating. Um, well, if you could have dressed up, what would you have gone as? I probably would have bought, like, a Star Wars costume when I was a kid. I have I have photos of me as a cowboy, which, if anybody knows me, <laughs> is very not me. That's not you. Um, That's so cute, though. And, but as an adult, I did dress up once in high school as Phantom of the Opera. Ooh. Once at my job as Harry Potter <laughs> with the robe from Universal. What about treats? And treats, wait, is it like a packaged no, thing? No, no, it could be anything that's homemade, like I said, or, or at the bakery okay. or whatever. I like pumpkin. I mean, I like pumkin pretty much everything. It's kind of basic I'm like kind that. of basic. <laughs> like, give me a pumpkin spice latte and a pumpkin oh. scone. And yeah. I do love pumpkin bread. Pumpkin bread with chocolate chips. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Terry, are you ready? I think I am. Um, Go. So I dressed up as Batman twice. I love way, it. I way back photo. when. Um, oh, shoot. I must have been, like, kindergarten or first grade. Had Thank the, you. Um, that plastic, like, onesie with the, uh, what kind of, ma- like, I don't know, some type of hard mask that would, like, crack and rip really easily. Yes. And then that's probably my favorite child costume I can think of. Adult would be Julie Newmeyer, Genderbank Catwoman. For oh Halloween. Oh my god, that's amazing. Ago. Yeah, I had to piece that one together. Um, I, I'll have to find a picture and I'll send it to Why you. Why Julie Newmar and not Lee Merriweather or Eartha Kid? Oh, <laughs> um, stop <laughs> like this. <laughs> I should have done Holly Berry, Holly Berry Catwoman. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> um, 
Well, all you would have needed is leather pants and a vest. <laughs> right. Oh, that would have been good. Um, we were doing a group costume, and uh, my sister was Robin. Her husband was Batman. A few other people were a few other characters. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be Catwoman. But you know what? I take it back a little bit. Maybe. Okay, I have a third favorite costume. <laughs> Nightcrawler, because we dressed up as the Uncanny X-Men one year for Halloween. As you paint doll. yourself blue? I painted my face blue. Okay, and were you in a black. leotard? Yes, it was a okay. one-piece um, from some Chinese website. Alley it didn't have a tail. Or something. <laughs> Probably. Um, it, held, it held together pretty well. Oh, nice. Uh, Favorite treat? I like homemade Rice Krispie treats. I haven't had one in a minute. Mm. Oh Anything in it or just classic plain? Oh, classic plain. Okay. Because l- people love, you know, putting like uh, M&M's or other Razor blades. It. Not <laughs> razor blades. You did not have to take it there. <laughs> Yo, people are too broke. People are too broke. <laughs> people are too broke these days to be putting drugs in candy. And what about you, Ronnie? Yeah. So I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to start off with um, a treat. Okay. So the thing that I loved, and I cannot find it anywhere, are just basic, like, orange sugar pumpkin cookies. So they're cut out to look like pumpkins, Uh and they're food-colored orange and it's just like a sh- sugar shortbread cookie. Ooh, it's, like, it's not frosted. It's not frosted. It's not those that you find at the grocery store. It's a hard cookie. And it usually was like covered in orange sprinkles. Okay. Okay, I think I know what you're talking about. I think I do too. But I've gone to grocery stores in the recent years and I cannot find them anywhere. And I tell people, I'm like, oh, you know, it looked like this. And they show me those, like, sugar cookies are frosted. I'm like, no, not the frosted ones. I'm like, it's a hard cookie. Like, it used to be sold in, like, boxes. Like, just boxes. And, yeah, no one one has them. So, anyway, that would be my my treat. I love them. I just love them. So, a chance to make money. If anyone knows where you can find them, please let me know. Like, it might just be something as easy as, like, a food for less. But I still can't find them anywhere. So, dressing up, um, my first story is a horror story. So, similar to Chris, like, my parents did not know who I was. <laughs> and so, the the worst costume that I was ever given was a wrestler. <laughs> they sorry. made me be, like, a WWF wrestler. <laughs> oh, and man. it's just like, I wanted to be Ariel or Barbie, and you put me in this muscle thing. It was horrible. <laughs> and they made me go to school in it. And I'm like, this is not me. This is, like, this is definitely a costume because I'm pretending to be something I'm not. That's for sure. My God. Anyway. Okay, so that was the worst memory. Um... And, you know, I dressed up as the Disney princesses, but it wasn't even Halloween. That was just any other day. Um, But my favorite memory was two. Um, So Terry got to choose two, so I'll choose two. Uh, Both of them were going in drag. The first one was um, going in as a saloon girl. 
Um, one of my boyfriends Ooh. wanted to be like a saloon bartender and I wanted to go as a saloon girl. And um, I don't know if you guys post this with pictures at all, but I could definitely send Would you guys photos. Would you like photos. Just to share? Exactly. I was going to say, I could share these photos. Um, so I went in, um, it's kind of like a French can-can girl, but I did it up to kind of look more like a saloon girl. So what you're saying is you wanted to look like Angela, the dearly departed Angela Lansbury in... The Golden Horseshoe. Yes. Essentially at Disneyland, yes. And I had the... the Harvey Girls movie. I had the boots, I had the, um, the stockings, I had the big feather in my wig, like, it was amazing. Um, the second one was because I love the 80s and it was starting to become popular. Um, I talked another guy that I was dating into going as an 80s couple. And he actually he was a fashion designer and he um, he made me a skirt so that way I could wear. And it was this green, like plastic looking skirt that was like pleather. And um, I wore that with this really cute, like Flintstones, like 80s looking shirt um, we kind of cut it up and made it like kind of like sh- like off the shoulder. And I had this big 80s hair wig and um, I had these hot pink stilettos and it was just my favorite thing in the world. And he went in these really cute like suspenders and held these 80s buttons on them. So both of these were original characters that I kind of made up in my head. So I, I think that for me, yeah, it- it's kind of like I wanted to go as something original that I made. Like it was my own character so that's my memories oh yeah chris do you have a psychic costume in your normal lives far more than i ever do yeah (laughs) what were you saying terry oh do you have a psychic halloween costume like costumes in general oh i mean like i i mean harry potter and the phantom probably my favorites as an adult okay Not the cowboy. <laughs> Again, yeah. trying to be something that you're not. Yeah, very not me. But it did have a really <laughs> cute, like, horse head on a stick. Oh. I remember. Now tell me, were you six or were you 14? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure it's the lower end of okay, the age range. Okay. <laughs> oh, how funny. It's been fun to talk about history of Halloween, like toys and, yeah. and all that fun stuff. I mean, history is... I guess history was 1990 because we talked about the Universal Monsters. I of know. Course, there was a well, we talked a little bit about the decorations and and the way that yeah. they changed yeah. over for Halloween. So, if you enjoy Halloween, listeners, tell us what's your favorite Halloween toy. Yes. And what's your favorite Halloween costume that you've ever worn? And. Terry, if they want to find out more from you, where can they find you? Everywhere. Um, you can All find me at... <laughs> yeah, you can find me on Instagram at merman underscore ter- ter- T-E-R-T-E-R underscore B. You can find me at the Merman Podcast, the underscore merman underscore podcast. And you can find me on Gem Boys. All you have to do is search Gem Boys and it should pop up. And Ronnie, where can they find more from you? Yes, and and you. And me. (laughs) Right, can't forget you. So thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's been so fun to talk about what a doll. So hopefully you can come back for some episodes. 
I know I've already tried to lure you in on a couple of topics that are upcoming. <laughs> well, so. as listeners, y'all are going to have to share some <laughs> love here and let me know that you loved hearing me on this podcast. Um, so again, I am Ronnie Del Mar. My home is the Jorers Archive, co-founder with Chris over here. You can find me on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, and a lot of other social medias that aren't necessarily active anymore. But just look up the Jewel Writers Archive on Google, and we'll probably be like the third hit, and you can go from there. But yes, any of our social media, just type in the Jewel Writers Archive, or even just type in Jewel Writers, and we'll come up. Yeah. Pretty much the only game in town. Exactly. (laughs) And if you want to find out any more from me, you can find me on Instagram or Twitter at polychrome10. And if you want to find more from What a Doll, you can find us at What a Doll Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, you can find all of our episodes at our home on Podbean or any other platform. Like, all right. Well, thank you, boys, for this spooky episode. Thank you, the gentlemen. The scariest thing was the D23 lines <laughs> for me. <laughs> it was fun. Oh. It was. It was. It was spooktacular. (laughs) And we want to wish everyone happy and safe Halloween. Yes, happy Halloween. Insane Halloween. Oh, good. And eat lots of candy. And to quote one of my favorite characters, unpleasant dreams. (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a happy spooky season. Bye. Bye. Good night.